Hello, welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep into the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. Available in video format at FunkinStuff.net and on YouTube, Truth and Rhythm can now also be enjoyed on the go in its audio podcast edition from FunkinStuff.net, iTunes, and most leading providers. I'm your host, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the first guy to funk. Better get your copy if you don't have it yet. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, I thank you very much for your support. And you've tuned in for another great episode because my guest is singer, guitarist, composer, Garrett Scheider, a member of George Clinton's P-Funk All-Stars and Parliament Funkadelic. Garrett is the son of the late, great Parliament Funkadelic frontman, Gary Scheider, also known as Doo-Wop, also known as Starchild, also known as Diaper Man for his famous stage attire. Gary, in many ways, and here's his, uh, a photo of him right here from his uh, Earth Tour days in the 1970s with the bop gun and his diaper. But in many ways, Gary was the heart of the funk mob. He lent his fantastically soulful vocals and underrated guitar playing to dozens of P-Funk classics and hundreds of concerts, maybe even thousands of concerts. After he tragically passed away at age 56 in 2010, Garrett stepped into his role with the band as continuing to perpetuate his dad's as well as P-Funk's legacies. Garrett has been touring with Clinton and Company and also contributing in the studio, including Funkadelic's Shake the Gate from a couple of years ago. And... Uh, the long-anticipated Medicaid fraud dog by Parliament. Garrett recently released his own full-length album, Hand-Me-Down Diapers. Again, some glare, there it is. Yeah. And um, that title, uh, an associated title track, is a tribute to his dad. Garrett has also adopted the Starchild Junior moniker as further reverence to his P-Funk royalty lineage. Hand Me Down Diapers is an immensely enjoyable record that has been reviewed at funkinstuff.net. You can see it there, but here's a little excerpt from that. Quote, this eight song collection embodies the funkadelic ethos and sound, critically favoring authenticity and sonic quirkiness over mimicry and cliches. Scheider's vocal and musical nuances and lyrical musings add up to a fresh spin on the P-Funk template, end quote. All that, and I hear he may be already working on a follow-up. So with That's that, right. we uh, turn to, to, to Garrett. How are you? What's up, guys? What's going on, man? All right, all right. Welcome to the Funky Diapers Studios. Yeah, it looks like the place to be. All the awards, got some recording equipment there. Well, I guess it in and here all day, baby. This is where the hand-me-down diapers was created. Is that in D.C. or where are we looking at? Yeah, this is in, uh, well, actually, Maryland, outside of, right outside of Washington, D.C. Yeah, I'm in PG County, just out here getting it in, man. This is what I do when I'm off, man. I'm in my lab, and I'm just you know, putting in some work, trying to keep the legacy going. Well, you're about six hours, uh, six hours northeast. I can feel the, the funk from there. Okay, okay, good. I'm doing the right thing then. <laughs> You know, I'm a lifelong fan of your dad's, and I'm a new fan of yours, so it's so great to have you here today. I appreciate you having me, man. I appreciate it, man. And and, and from him, thank you a lot. He loved you guys, man. Well, yeah, you know, I, I met him a couple times backstage in probably the late 80s to early 90s time frame. Mm -hmm. He was always just so, like, relaxed and just nice. And, um, you know, he just seemed like a really um, easygoing um, no airs about him, mm -hmm. down-to-earth guy, you know? Very much, very much. Yeah. Very much. An important lesson that I got from him, man. He, he was always a humble guy, man. Always humble, always humble. And I say he loved everybody. He loved, you know, he loved everybody. I get a lot of stories like that about him all the time when I'm traveling. And, you know, all I can say is, man, is like, you know, I, I, I can dig it. You know, he, he loved all you guys. He truly loved you guys, man. So, you know, he got off on it. I could see it when I could see it when he performed. You know, he, he you know, he gave a lot. You know, he he, he, he gave a lot to, 
to specifically to the audience, man, as far as when it came to like interacting and you know, I could tell he just, you know, he 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 loved it, man, and he he talked about it a lot, man. He got off on it, so he had to, you know, for doing so many shows for so many years, and yeah, you know, forty um, years of his life, man. He certainly had an impact on me. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing this hat today as tribute to, you know, not only P Funk but him because he used to wear this hat around that same time frame that I met him. Okay, and. uh we were talking before we went on the air, but um, you know, behind me here are the Mothership Connection and Tear the Roof Off the Sucker uh, Record Awards, and those are actually authentic ones from the 1970s. Okay. And you know, Star Child, I didn't tell you this, Garrett, but uh, Star Child was actually well. First of all, that was the first album I ever got with my own money. Okay. Kid. Okay. Yeah, and then um, Star Child was my first favorite song on there. <laughs> and so much so that back then CBs were really popular. Okay. TV radios. And so I, I had the handle of Star Child. Okay. Cool. So, so this is from one Star Child to another right now. <laughs> hey man, Star Child's influence, man, it it, it reigns deep, man, and, and, and stretches, you know, across a lot of you know, stretch stretches across oceans, man, and boundaries, man. You know, his uh, you know, in the in the Six years I've been traveling in this band and doing the thing, man. You've gone to a lot of different places, uh, a lot of places I never even thought I'd ever see in my life. And one thing that I'm learning is that, you know, the funk is everywhere, dude. You know what I mean? The influence of this thing, man, it, it's really, you know, it's stretched so far, man, so far. So that's another thing that I'm kind of proud of, you know, kind of another reason why I'm, I'm proud to, you know, to be able to have this to even, you know, carry on the way I'm doing it, man. You know, I, I, um, my, my, my father had me around this from the time I was a baby, you know, from the time I was out my mother's stomach, you know. So I, this is pretty much, I guess, it has always been my destiny, even when I was being a stubborn teenager and trying to deny it and, you know, doing the rap thing instead, you know, I always knew that this is what I was bred to do. And I always knew that I could do this, you know, so. It's like, it's like Luke Skywalker, your destiny. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I welcome it, man. You know, I welcome it. I, I love doing it, man. I love to be able to do it. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more before we get into some of the music. But I wanted to talk a little more, Garrett, about, you know, what, the childhood was like what was it like being a shider um you know how was music you know filtering throughout the household and what what was it like and and when did you first get into music yourself so my first memories of life you know what i mean are backstage at p-funk shows you know grown-ups walking around in shiny costumes and you know, a bunch of eccentric personalities. You know, I, I got it at, at a very, very young age. I got that something special was going going on, something very fun, something very cool. Um, and what I also knew was that my dad was, you know, especially at that time, was pretty much the forefront of it. You know, it was really cool to be able to watch him go out and take control of, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 people, you know, and make everybody's, you know, you see 60, 70,000 hands doing like this, or he says, say, yeah, you know, you hear an entire arena full of people go, yeah, you know what I mean? The energy was just amazing. I can remember him bringing me out on stage, you know what I mean, at like three years old, and, you know, just the entire environment of it, I always knew it was something special. But now home was not that. You know, home was a more serious thing. And um, I, um, I especially also remember at home as a kid, um, as a kid, I, for, as far as I knew, the, the catalog of P-Funk stretched for as far as any show that I could remember seeing as a kid. You see what I'm saying? And those songs, whichever songs I heard in the show, as far as I was concerned, were spread out amongst maybe three or four Parliament and Funkadelic combined albums that we actually had in our house. 
You know what I'm saying? I think we had Cosmic Slop, I remember us having. I think we had either Mothership Connection or the clones of Dr. Funkenstein we had. And um, maybe like One Nation Under Groove we had. Those might have been the only three records of Parliament Funkadelics that I remember us having in our house. And I had a little toy record player and I actually used to listen to those records to death. You know what I mean? But as far as I was concerned as a little kid, that was the, as far as the catalog stretched. My father, all we heard in our house, whatever it was they were working on, you know? So I come up around the time where P-Funk was kind, Parliament Funkadelic was getting ready to be on their last days and we're going into now the side acts, the family series and the George Clinton records and, you know, all of this, that and the third the Tracy records. And, you know, so these are my memories at home. Songs like uh, Michelle, you know, the sessions, you know, that's what my father listened to at home. He listened to his work. He listened to his work. So whatever they were working on in the studio, he brought it home and he played it to death. He played it over and over and over and over and over. When you got in the car with him, he had a cassette of it and he played it over and over and over and over. And plus at the time, he was working on my mother's band, Legs, and they used to rehearse at our house, in our, in our garage. So uh, forgive me, man, this is <laughs> written in nostalgia, man. But um, so uh, they used to record and they used to rehearse in our garage uh like three times a week and he was knee deep into that uh producing my mother's stuff and him and my mother writing songs together and uh my mother performing locally my dad's studios at home and just you know musicians all the time music all the time and um it was nothing that they had already previously recorded man it was always about the next thing with him mm. always about the next thing um i was a teenager by the time i really got into the catalog <laughs> um and that's when i really realized how incredible he was <laughs> you must you must gary you must have heard a lot of the songs on the radio though and did it strike well, you then? you know of course you hear the radio songs you yeah. know but i'm talking about the catalog you know we're talking about 10 years worth of Funkadelic records, 10 years worth of Parliament records. You know, we're talking about, not even talking about the Brides, the Bootsies, the Eddies, the Bernies, you know, all of this stuff. Some of it, I didn't even have no clue what it was, you know, but it was always about the next thing with him. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, always about the next thing with him. And so, yeah, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I really got into the catalog because he didn't play that stuff. He, you know, he was a humble guy. He wasn't a look what I did. He wasn't that kind of cat, you know. So when the Westbound stuff got re-released on CD in the early 90s, I was about 15 years old. And a shipment of all of those CDs came to our house, all of them. And this was my this was my uh, real awakening. Uh, I got every record that was under Westbound on CD, as well as that music for my mother's CD, the purple one. You know what I'm talking about? The yeah, one. yeah, music for my mother. Yeah, I got that CD with, uh, along with along with all the Westbound records. Uh, I went through the Funkadelic. I mean, the music for my mother one, and I read and I read. And I, I sat up all night just listening to these CDs and just reading, <laughs> just reading and learning, you know, all the stuff that he didn't talk about because he was a humble guy, man. He didn't do that. So I was just learning, learning and listening and listening. And that's when I realized that he was really incredible because I heard things from him specifically that I didn't see him doing show. I didn't really get a chance to see him do in studio anymore because they weren't even really doing that that kind of music anymore. And I just discovered something. And even when I discovered that and I pulled him aside, you know, I'm a big as big a fan as you guys are of him as well. 
So when I discovered this stuff and I pulled them aside and I made a big deal about it, you know, just so, you know, cool, cool as a fan, man. Just cool as a fan. Just how, oh, man. <laughs> Humility, man. That's, that's the biggest lesson that I got in my household from this, man. That's the biggest lesson that I learned from this. Amongst all the other lessons that were there to be learned, and I learned a lot of them. That was the most important one. That's why you guys love him so much, man. That's why y'all will never forget him. That's why I never forget him, you know, because it's easy to get to get that far in, in your career when you're doing this and then lose sight of the fact that you once were just like all these fans who adore you. It's very easy to lose sight of that. And in uh, a band this big, uh, you can believe that a lot of people in this band did lose sight of that, you know. But him, as the heart and soul of it, to 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 remain humble through all of that, man, through all of the accolades, through all of the praises, you know, to be able to shrug all that off and still be you. You know, I, I give him all the kudos in the world for that. You know, it's something I'm even still struggling with myself. You know, it all just kind of lets me know, you know, it all just, you know, especially getting a chance to walk in his footsteps now a little bit as well. All just lets me know that, you know, there's nothing, first off, nothing like the original D. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What my pops did would never be done again. <laughs> I get that. You know what I'm saying? So I won't even chase that. I won't even chase that. My only mission is to make sure that people never forget the P and especially his contributions to the P. Because as you said in your review of that record, man, he's a very underrated musician. Very underrated. Very underrated. Very unsung, man. And if I can can if i can make sure that his name at least has some prominence like it's supposed to when people are talking about these musicians and some of these great artists of this time you know when i when i discovered those westbound records i realized that my dad could have been up there with marvin gaze and al greens and stevie wonders of that ilk he could have been there he should have been there you know but his humility made him made him decide that it was better to be a team player as opposed to go for to roll for self like that you know what i mean yeah so you know a lot of lessons to be learned man a lot of lessons to be learned and i was a typical kid about it man growing up you know teenagers stubborn don't really want to you know that's your thing you know and you know yeah so what you travel the world you think you know everything you know i was that typical kid you know but while i was doing all of that you know secretly you know i i took in all the lessons man i took in all the lessons i understood that i was blessed i understand what i'm what i'm blessed with you know i, I understand that so that's my only mission, man, is to make sure that, you know, the Shider name is never forgotten and that the P-Funk is, the P is never forgotten, you know, and, 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 and you know, George and, 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 and his kids and grandkids who are also following in the footsteps, you know, we're all going to be here to make sure that, you know, it's never forgotten, you know what I'm saying? But it's something that I decided when my dad left here. It's something I decided that I was going to make a passion of mine. You know, it's actually as unfortunate as it was him leaving here gave me new life, you know, because at that time I was kind of in a weird spot and not even really doing music anymore. It wasn't even, you know, I was kind of over it at that time, you know, and him leaving here and some of the things that he said to me right before he left here, just, you know, it kind of re rebirthed me, man. And I decided to make this my passion, you know, just like he did. Now, you know, I realized that he was passionate about this. He loved it. 
she loved it. You know, you, you, you don't get that good unless you love it. So, you know. How, 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 how did that, um, first off, I want to say, you know, I would envy people that tell me that they're getting into certain P-Funk albums for the first time or they haven't heard something and they get to hear it because I remember what it was like when I first heard all of those, you know, and it was just so overwhelming and amazing in most cases, you know, so I'm sure especially the, um, you know, relationship and, and him being your dad, that must have just been so powerful. Man, he was Superman. <clears throat> he was Superman to me. It was like living with Superman, dude. <laughs> Living with Superman, except he, except he, 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 he actually, you know, reprimanded you and scolded you and might whoop your butt if you got it, got out of line. You know, was the only difference. <laughs> you know, so as long as you stayed in line, you know, he was, it was, you know, he was, he was awesome, man. He was just awesome. So yeah, I remember it clear as day, man. I'm telling you, I stayed up. I discovered those CDs, and I probably started listening around dinner time and I didn't you know it was probably time for me to go to school the next morning by the time I was you know still into it and like wow I you know I got to go to school now but this shit is fucking crazy and amazing man I you know I I had to basically tell him I you know I had no idea you were so great man I had no idea and I've seen you do your thing you know but watching them do their thing live and actually listening to the music, some of the music in their catalog, man, you know, sometimes you almost think that you watching a total, you know, that, that what you listen to on record, you know, certain songs, you almost think that what you're looking at on stage, no, nah, there's no way that they, you know, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was an enlightening experience for me, man, to be able to, to get those records what it did was it made me want at that point it made me want to hear everything it made me want to get everything you know what i'm saying i started i would go to the record stores and you know whatever cds or people parliament funkadelic cds or cassettes that i didn't already have at home i would buy it just so i could go you know listen to it back and forth and analyze it and you know just because of that i know a lot of these people on records like the back of my hand you know what i mean just unconsciously so <laughs> even the songs that i didn't listen to that much you know when they come on i could probably hum the whole melody and sing the hook or you know yeah well yeah that entire i think you can see back there those cd cases yeah. most of that is all p-funk related on cd and then I had, of course, all the vinyl before that when they first came out, and that's in another room. So, yeah. Um, so, Garrett, when you started to um, look to following your dad's footsteps and perform with um, Clinton, what was that transition like, and how did that happen? Well, it was really an interesting time for me. At the time, I was maybe four or five years into working at FedEx. And, uh, but I was actually had, had been just moved back home and was living with him and his studio was right outside of my door. <laughs> and I didn't have like a bolt on my door or any that worked or anything. So, and you know, he was good for just kind of just pushing the door open. It's like, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, this, um, Hold on, I almost lost what I'm getting at with that. The memories are just, you know, killing me right now. Uh, so, uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, his studio was right outside my door. I was working at FedEx at the time. It was about four, five years into it. And I used to put in 12-hour days at FedEx. I would get up and go. I would be at FedEx at like 6, 7 in the morning. And I wouldn't leave out the building and, you know, I wouldn't come back and then leave out the building until about seven or eight o'clock at night. And I would get home and I'd be all dressed in FedEx and come in the house and go down the stairs in my room. And he would be right out there, you know, on the other side of the, you know, the, the, he had a living room and his studio was in the corner. And my room was, you know, right here in the living room, you know, next to the living room. So he would be, you know, I come down the steps and he would be in the studio just drinking his beers and recording his music and, you know, asking me about my day. But, 
I probably would have had such a rough one that I'd just be kind of grumpy and it'd be like, nah, 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 you know, and um, um, it was that, you know, so um, one day, um, oh, so I, also at this time, what we had just put the Merc Camp thing back together. And instead of doing necessarily a rap group, we had just kind of decided to put a label together. And um, I was kind of more so just managing and and uh, or whatever, more so than I was recording and lending a little hand because I was working too much. And um, one of those days I came home from FedEx and uh, the, the everybody involved in the label was at the house. We had a meeting, did a session, everyone left. And he was really proud at the time. He was really happy to see me, see us getting back into it. And, um, you know, he was always one of our biggest cheerleaders, you know, and, and, and all these meetings were going down in his house. So he would be, you know, hawking all over the place. You know, he would be that guy like, Dad, would you go upstairs for a second? You know, he'd just be so excited, you know, and wanting to, you know, try to, you know, just, just trying to let us know that he was there with us or whatever. And, uh, had this meeting, did a little recording, everybody left. And before I went to bed, he pulled me aside to talk to me or whatever. And basically he, he was telling me, uh, I guess he would, he had come in, he was coming up on, I guess, a little bit of cash from, you know, some royalties or whatever the case. And he was telling me, he was like, man, first off, he's telling me, I see what you're doing. And, you know, he was talking about wanting to invest. He was so proud and uh, just going on and he, pulled on my my FedEx I had my FedEx uniform on still he pulled on my pants and he was like I see basically the point was I see what you're doing and I got to get you up out of this shit <laughs> what's this thing you know what I'm saying yeah and then in the same discussion is when he decided to also let me know that he was having problems with his health and it was starting to worry him mm -hmm. well maybe a month after that same deal. I come in from work and I'm in the studio. You know, I'm in my room, door shut. He's in his studio, and um, I come out and I just see him, you know, putting his coat on, and it's late as hell. And where well, you headed? I'm going to the hospital. You know, my hand. I can't move my hand. He says I can't move my hand. What do you mean? I, I can't move my hand. And you're gonna try to drive yourself to the hospital? No, nah, man. So I. Took him to the hospital and you know that's when we come to find out that his cancer he had cancer you know this is when everything started to be disclosed he had cancer and not only does he have it but it's so far gone that you know they gave him a year he lasted three months you know um now within that i'm at fedex and i'm going through that now I was already getting kind of disgruntled at work, you know, not liking work, you know, dabbling back into my music. And I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I couldn't really do it. So he gets sick, uh, comes out of the hospital after about a week, goes on the road for a month and he almost died out there. But he made it back home and he lasted about another month before he ultimately passed. So through all of that, I, you know, I had to take off from, I took off from work, you know, I got a chance to really, you know, hear some things from him and, you know, spend my last little bit of time with him or whatever. And uh, one of the last times that I really got to talk with him is one of the times that he really said the things to me that I needed to hear that put me on the mission that I'm on now. You know, I won't disclose those things, you know, but he said some things that were really important and just really heartfelt and really hard for him going through what he was going through. You know, I even admired him watching him fight that man. I just, I, I admire him so much. I'm sorry. sorry. So, uh, he finally transitioned. I took a month off from FedEx, you know, to deal with everything that came with that. 
and within uh while while and during his his uh his memorial service which was in plainfield p funk just happened to kind of be on tour at the time and going through the area you know so it all kind of coincided where the band could be there for his memorial service and you know his service was nice and everything and you know i had all this time off of work so you know i spent a lot of i just spent a lot of the month uh, uh, half of it in Plainfield, just with my family, and then the other half just kind of riding on, just riding the tour with George, just because you know, especially back then, they just didn't care. You know, I could just get on the bus and they knew what I was going through, and so I did that. I went back to work at FedEx. I worked about two weeks, and within that two weeks, uh, I end up getting two tickets uh at, at this time in the maryland dc area they had just started installing these speed camera tickets all over the fucking place and i got two of them within in the two weeks that well i, I somewhere along the line two speed tickets come up and they decided they wanted to suspend me another month this was two weeks after i had just got back from taking a month off from my dad they decided to suspend me another month um Little did they know at that point, I was already, I was pretty much over it. So what I decided to do was I took the suspension month and I jumped back on tour with George and I rode around with him. And, you know, all this time I'm just really starting to, you know, get my buzz back and, you know, get back into the environment and, you know, <clears throat> all the passion that I used to have for it. And then, you know, maybe 10 times more, I just, you know, started to feel. And it's at that point that I knew I was done at FedEx within that suspension. So when I went back, I worked two weeks long enough to turn in my notice and I left. Um, now, I didn't immediately go to go to work with George. I left and that first year I just attempted on my own to try to make something happen. You know what I'm saying? I just, for whatever reason, you know, I just decided I didn't really want to try to make that George's burden to try to, you know, look what I'm going through. Will you help me? You know, I didn't want to come to him like that, you know? So I chose to take my own steps and, you know, go my own. And the more that I did that, I realized a few things. First off, the first and uh, probably the most important thing that I realized was the fact that I had taken an interest in guitar playing at the age of 16, but it was a difficult thing and it was something that I was not patient enough to take lessons with. So with that being said, and something that I was also easily discouraged with if I wasn't playing it like my dad was playing it, you know what I mean, in like a matter of like two days. I was discouraged with it and then i probably wouldn't play it again for god knows how long it was that from the time i was 16 until i went on this venture and i said to myself well you know when you go on this venture you know one of the first things that people are going to ask you they're going to say oh are you gary scheider's son well i know you know how to play the guitar don't you i knew they were going to ask me that so i said you know what i better start working on this right now so that was my first thing i picked the guitar up and i re I, I realized at that point that i had a very 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 long road ahead of me as far as that went so there was that then the next thing was i just started to realize at some point that even though the people i was involved with they meant well i just realized that they just were not equipped to help me take it where I really needed to take it with what I was carrying. The only way that I could really get to that platform was I needed to be out on the road with George again. So it took about a year after my father passed when they made their way back to DC. I went to a show and then after the show, I pulled George aside and I asked him, I said, George, I'd like to come back out on the road, you know, and and he quickly okayed it you know had me come out and do a little crew work but also you know incorporated me into the band but now when i came back out on the road he didn't necessarily tell me what it was i would be doing 
and I, you know, my singing thing has always been, that's always been something I've done. I went to a performing arts high school for voice. I always sang, you know, even before performing arts high school, I sang, you know what I mean? I always knew I could sing. It was something that I just kind of took for granted because I just always knew I'd do it, you know? So, uh, uh, uh um, when he had me come back out, I just assumed that he was going to have me basically singing background, you know what I'm saying? And mainly just working in his crew and singing background. Well, the first show that I came to, we did the gathering of the juggalos and, uh, you know how George is always throughout the history of parliament Fungadelic has always, uh, restructured his band at some point, meaning some folks will probably, left and new folks were probably bought and then a core of folks who you always know still there right you know you always get these transitions with george well little did i realize that he was bringing me back in the middle of one of these transitions so now the last the, when i asked him at this show he was fresh from still carrying six guitars you know what i mean so the last thing that I thought I was coming out to do with what I just told you about my guitar playing, the last thing that I thought I would be doing was playing guitar in the band. I thought I was going to be singing. I got to the gathering of the juggalos and you started seeing who all was here at, who was all was at the gig. And it was like, not maybe not even half of what I had just seen when I was at the show in DC and I asked him to come back out here. You see, start seeing about half the people and the only guitarist I saw was Michael Hampton. He was the only guitarist walking around, you know? So I see George and George says, oh, you made it, you know? And I said, George, where, you know, who plays, you know? You didn't bring your guitar. I thought you were gonna play. I, you did, oh man, you didn't bring your, oh God, oh yeah. So the first Juggalo show we did, Mike Hampton's the only one up there playing guitar because unbeknownst to me, he wanted me also to play guitar, you know? So basically, now enter me into P Funk Guitar Boot Camp next to Michael Hampton. You know, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. You yeah, know, so, so. Well, Hampton's a good one to uh, have taken your wing. Well, yeah, if you can, if you can deal with the with with you know tough lessons, you know, because it's boot camp, it's boot camp. It's not uh, what do you call it? It's not uh. Uh, 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 it's not summer camp. This is boot camp. You know, once you when you get getting it, get dealing with Michael Hampton, you know, because Michael Hampton has been great, pretty much from the day that he picked up a guitar. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, what I learned about Michael Hampton and being on tour with him is, you know, being that great. This is how you get that great. You literally do eat, sleep, and shit with the guitar. You literally do that. Cause that's what Mike Hampton does. He obsesses with guitar, dude. Obsesses with it. I've literally seen him sleep on the tour bus with an acoustic guitar hanging off of his neck. You know what I'm saying? I've seen him wake up and play. You know, I've seen him play and fall asleep with it. I've seen his hotel room where his hotel room is just his guitar might be broke down into pieces and he's tweaking and fixing and listening to somebody at the same time on the computer and just into it into it into it man into it in to it is, is Black, blackbird the same way um you know what not like not as visual not as visibly as mike not as visibly as mike you know what i mean like um <clears throat> blackbird's thing Blackbird can do anything that you can do on a guitar pretty much is it's Blackbird's thing. You know what I'm saying? Blackbird is like a you know, he's he's like a master. You know what I mean? He's he's like a you know, he he's like a you know, if there was a doctorate given to a guitarist, that's what he is. He's a doctor. You know what I mean? He's Dr. McKnight when it comes to guitar playing because you can put on anything or you can play anything anything and he can pick the guitar up he can find the 
chords he can find not and not the standard chords that go with what you're playing you know what i mean i'm seeing him don't you know he's he's playing chords man to some of your shit and i mean he's cording all the way up and down the fret and you're seeing him using positions that you know these are just not the typical majors and minors and sevenths and you know they just he's 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 fucking amazing dude you can put some reggae on he's gonna get right into the groove and then doctor it you can put some metal on he's gonna you know turn on his distortion and shred and shred like a doctor you know you can put some jazz on and he's gonna get right into the groove chords everything doctor blackbird is a doctor man he's a master whereas Mike Hampton is just someone who just don't ever put the guitar down. You know what I mean? He just never puts it down. And then he's like a, 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 a sponge for the information. You know what I mean? So it's like, whatever I'm doing, if I see you do a thing, then I'm going to come over here and get with you and check this thing out that you're doing. That's cool what you're doing right there. Let me get with that. And now, you know, you've given me something to work on for the whole month or something else to obsess over because I'm bored with this, you know, these 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 modes that I've been scaling on forever and a lot, you know, a day. You just giving me something else. And so now he's on to this and doing that, you know, or now something's on the radio that's been caught his ear. And it's like, oh, I like that. You know, so that's Mike, man. Mike is just uh he's a savant you know what i mean he's a guitar savant bro he just you know he you know I, like i said literally probably showers with the guitar you know he's that guy well i mean i know both him and blackbird were playing incredibly when they were teenagers so. oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah they, man they but they cut from two, to me cut from two different claws but definitely have that in common they're both masters man for, for in their own rights, man. So, and so when did you when did you start feeling comfortable enough holding the guitar on the stage? Oh man, it took a long time. It took a long time because I'm telling you, because you know when you great like Mike Hampton is, you know, and Mike has the kind of ear that you know you play that one note in the whole figure just a half step hair wrong you know then it fucking you know makes his head one you know makes his head explode you know what i mean and his head is going to explode right there on the stage you know what i'm saying so you know it, it, it believe me it took a minute it took a while oh it took a while man but and and even still you know i still have a long way to go when it comes to these cats you know <clears throat> even still to this day man i you know i stand up there and I look over and I'm like, man, I can't believe that I'm up here playing next to this cat, man. And, you know, like, oops, oh, I can't believe, oh, I hope he didn't hear me, you know, miss that little note right there. Oh, shit, you know, it's still that. I think it's going to always be that because I've also grown up with these guys. You know what I mean? These guys, are, you know, they've known me since I was, a, since before I could walk. You know, they've been, you know, they put a hand in the kind of raising me into this, you know what I mean? So it's sure. that too. So they're kind of like, in a way, like big brothers or. Uh, yeah, they're the uncles, man. You know, these are my uncles, man. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and, and like I said, it's not, and, and now, you know, the uncle nephew relationship has got to be out the window, you know what I mean? Because now you stepping up here, uh, up here and, you know, now you're stepping up here into what this is what we do, you know what I mean? And you stepping up here into that. And in order to make sure that we can keep doing what we do, you know what I'm saying? You got to make sure you pull your part now, you know, make sure you pull your weight, you know? So now the uncle nephew relationship, even though it's there, it's always going to be there, man. I love them cats love me and I love them cats forever, man. You know what I'm saying? But now you're in a situation where, you know, like I said, now Mike's head is exploding, you know, when I, damn, you you know, I've never had the experience, you know, you exploding on me like that before, man. It's like, oh, wow, ooh, ooh, you know, 
please don't ever miss that note again. You know what I'm saying? And now every time that note comes up, it's like, oh, shit, that's that note. Don't make Mike's head explode, you know? Yeah, it's it's that now, you know, when before, you know, like I remember when I used to be a a kid, like um, I can remember when I used to be, when I was about seven, eight, nine, when they were touring in the 80s, even though it was kind of sparse in the 80s, when they would tour, the couple of times that I would get to come ride with them on tour, Mike Hampton was somebody that I, I really took an interest to. He would be somebody that I would always follow around and just always be trying to talk. And he would always give me the time of day. You know what I mean? He would always be, you know, just like an uncle, you know, would do. Is always good advice and, you know, make sure you brush your teeth. You know, he's that kind of guy. You know what I mean? So it would be all of that. And, um, and now you're on stage with him and, you know, it's like, Man, what the fuck are you playing? You know, that's some fucked up shit you playing. You know, some pull punches. Yeah, I can't believe George. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, I can remember the first when I the first show that I showed up with my guitar, and I stepped up there and I walked up next to Mike, and he was getting set up, and I had to say to him, uh, "Yeah, so I'm gonna be playing guitar now." And it was just like, you know, it's like now this, you know what I mean? And as far as the reaction from Mike, you know, it's like, oh, now, you know, now, you know, what kind of games are we playing now? You know what I'm saying? And it was just, like I said, boot camp from there. All of a sudden it went from Uncle Mike and, you know, what's up now? It went to, you know, now we're in a working relationship and you got to pull your weight, you know, And I've been pulling my weight forever, man. And you better ship up or shape out, buddy. Or shape up or ship out, you know, with that, you know. And I respect it. You know, I respect it. I'm 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 blessed, man. <laughs> you know, I caught I caught you and, and the band in Charlotte a few months back. Um, okay. And uh you know, I know you took uh kind of the front center on One Nation and also on uh, Absence of a Brain. Um when when did you first get the spotlight like that in terms of the singing, and you know how was how was it kind of decided what you would do and what you do now? Okay, so um, the One Nation thing was kind of how I worked my way back in. They came to D.C. and that same show that I asked to come back out on the road. He actually at that time had my uncle Kevin on the road for a minute, and Kevin was doing some of those songs. So right before they went on, I asked, I pulled Kevin aside and I asked him, yep, K-Star, that's my uncle Kevin Scheider right there, y'all. I asked Kevin, I said, I pulled him aside. I said, Kevin, man, if y'all do One Nation, won't you let, let me, let me, let me get it tonight, man, please. You know, and he, you know, he, he they, it's lo and behold, they played it and he went and started it and he looked to the wings to see if I was standing there. And I was, and he waved me on out. Came out and I, you know, did my best Gary Scheider that night. And, you know, at the time, you know, I, 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 you know, I can imagine how I probably actually sounded, you know, but at the time I was really, you know, I was just really getting some things off my chest anyway. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, I really needed to do this. You know what I'm saying? This was my therapy for losing my father, man, because you know, as you can probably tell as this interview was going, man, you know, I was crushed when I lost my pops, man. I, I loved my father. I admired my father, you know. I actually I actually lost mine this year. Uh, so, well, you understand what I'm saying, man. You know, it's, it's a crushing fucking blow, man. And especially when your father's in the spotlight like my father was, you know, for, you know, for, you know what, like really started to really kind of thorn at me when he died was to be on Facebook and just to see everybody else so hurt. So hurt, you know what I mean? All the fans so hurt, man. And honestly, you know, I always knew, I, I always knew I was going to be hurt when I lost my father. I knew I loved him. Something that I had, had I honestly been trying to mentally prepare my myself for, believe it or not, since I was about 13 years old. You know what I mean? 
And it's just something that you ain't going to be able to prepare for, man. <clears throat> and it was like, man, watching everybody now posting these songs. And it's like, I couldn't even, you know, the songs with, and his soul, you know, when he would go down to his soul or hit one of those screams, man, it just broke me down, man. And I just didn't think, I, I didn't even think I would ever even be able to really listen to the music again. You know what I mean? So I needed all of this, man. I needed this shit. It, it, it was all the therapy I needed, man. And they brought me right to the place that I needed to be. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, well, we're all grateful for it, continuing that legacy. Um, you know, I'm hoping that P-Funk is eternal. You know, um, I don't know how much longer George, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, I was talking to Danny Petrosian, a lot of people ask the question, how long can he go on with George? And when he finally, you know, hangs hangs it up, um, what's going to happen? Do you have any thoughts about that? I'm sorry. One more time. I'm sorry. I just got a text message. It was pretty serious. Go for, say. Will you ask me that one more time? I apologize. I was just saying um, that you know, hoping that P Funk is eternal, especially um, touring. And so, have you given any thought to when George finally hangs it up? You know, God bless him with how he's going. Um, but one day, you know, he's not going to be able to. So, do you think the band will continue touring? What do you think will happen? Uh, well, you know, this band is good. P-Funk is forever, man. So, yeah, this band is going to always tour, man. It's going to always tour. He's set it up for it to be that way. You know, look, that's why all these side acts are out here. You know what I mean? Because <clears throat> George is understands that this is a platform that he's created. You know what I mean? He sets us all up on this platform to be able to do whatever it is that we want to do even while he's here you know what i mean so when he leaves here it's going to be business as usual man you know what i'm saying we're going to always do this thing we're going to always do this thing in his name like he's standing there you know what i'm saying so of course it's eternal man he i say he he made it to, he made it to be that way that was i'm pretty i don't think he planned it that way but that's what he's made this into, man. P-Funk is going to be forever. You know, I'm not going to say for certain whether I know this band or, you know, what conglomerate of the band will do that. But what I do know is that the P-Funk family is so extended that whichever conglomerates decide to come together and do the thing, it's gonna all still be one nation under groove regardless. You know what I mean? And George will be smiling down on it when that day comes, you know, from wherever he will be. He would just be smiling down on it with his his his, his sinister Clinton grin, <laughs> saying, look what I did. Now y'all do your thing. <laughs> How would you describe your relationship with George, Garrett? Um, you know, George is, um, you know, I'm, I'm not one who's necessarily, first off, I'm a quiet person, never really been too social, you know what I mean? Or at least not very outgoing socially, you know what I mean? So now I'm also the kind of person with that being said, who has not necessarily spent a lot of time around celebrities that weren't my dad you know what i mean or my godfather right so with that being said my dad was actually my dad and lived at home you know what i mean so i knew who he was or at least i knew you know that at least at least i knew dad right so now george from the time that probably even my father has met met him has always been kind of a popular dude, a celebrity, you know what I mean? So with that being said, you know, anytime that I've, in all my life of knowing George, George has always had a lot of people around him, um, a lot of people wanting to get his attention, a lot of people who, um, 
you know, just always trying to get at him for something, for for some reason or another, right? So um, with that, it was always kind of, it always kind of felt like a barrier for me, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I've, you know, like I, I've never, our relationship, you know, we got to, not that we don't have a good relationship, we got a great relationship, you know what I'm saying? I see him as, uh, what's up? you know g dad over you know it's that you know what i mean but even i have not always or not really had a chance to actually sit down and you know really dive into the man and figure out you know how he works and how he thinks and you know i, I don't you know i've never had a chance to peel the layers off of george to see you know what that really is you know what i mean from my own perspective you know, not to say that George is not, you know, not to say that George is putting on a front or anything. It's just that, you know, like I said, there's the celebrity layer that a celebrity always has, you know what I mean? And that layer has to always be kind of a guard. And, you know, it's about getting, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be able to get behind the guard, it's usually when you get a chance to figure out who the real person is, right? So, it's like I've never really had a chance to sit down with him and figure out those things. What makes him tick? What makes, you know, I, I don't necessarily know those things. You know, I just know that I've known you all my life. And, you know, what I mean, sometimes we rap, might rap on some, you know, for a second and, you know, shoot the shit. And some, you know, most of the time you busy on your thing and I might not be able to see enough of you, but to be like, what's up? How's everything? All right, keep it moving. You know, we might, you know, smoke a joint or so, whatever. You know what I mean? But even still, it's, you know, not a whole bunch of conversation because I'm not necessarily a, com a, a, a conversional dude. And, you know, it's, it, I, and then I also kind of feel like, you know, somebody in his position, he's, you know, got enough on his plate than to be, you know, listening to me talk. So it's kind of funny with George in a way because he's, pretty easily approachable he's always been that way and yes he but, is. But, but he's hard to get to know deep deeply but he's easy to, to like get that to like know. that's exactly what i mean it's like if i get a moment and it's just me and him then it's like oh well shit well what do i say <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you know what do and you can't come up with anything better than you know what's up man how you doing you know how's you know how's everything yeah what, what you smoking on yeah. Okay. Yeah. This one I'm smoking on. Okay. Okay. We killed the other night, didn't we? Yeah. 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 You know, you don't necessarily know where to go from there. You know, and it I sounds and kind of, it's kind of like a, a a player on a team with the coach. You know, in a way. Yeah, yeah. 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 And still, you know, even after 40 years now of knowing him, I just still kind of just uh, no, you know, want to don't want to say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I love George to death, man. And you know, like I said, our, our relationship—that's my godfather, man. He's my goddad. So, you know, he's just a very busy goddad. I have, man. He's just a little bit too busy to, you know, always be checking up on me. So I got to take the initiative to check up on him and make sure he's all right. <laughs> cool. Hey, um, we talked about Mike and Blackbird already, some, but I wanted to throw some other well-known names at you from the funk mob okay kind of get your quick reaction on you know if assuming you've met them and spent some time with them but you know something uh, musically and something about their personality <clears throat> so bernie warrell what was your experience with him if if any uh okay so a lot of my main experiences with bernie was more so as a kid you know what I mean? Between like the ages of me being born and maybe like five, you know, because by the time the 80s really rolled around, he wasn't necessarily rolling with them anymore. He was doing talking heads and, you know, he was he was Bernie. He was doing his own thing by then. So um, so my early experiences with him, you know, he was just like all my other, uncles, you know, just this, you know, goofy dude who smiled and seemed happy all the time. And you know, played, who played keyboard, you know, 
it, it was that simple for me as a kid for all of these cats you know what i mean like unbeknownst to me are these like the greatest musicians in in the world some of them <laughs> you know they all just cats who you know uh, my father and mother's friends who played music <laughs> and it just seemed that all my mother and father's friends just played music you know but it was just a common thing that they had you know I didn't like see any of them necessarily on TV unless it was all the band together, you know, to really put it together that, oh, these are celebrities, you know what I'm saying? It, you know, like it kind of took a minute for it to dawn on me like that, you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> so like I said, somebody like Bernie, my first experience is that's what it was. He's one of my aunts who was, you know, always happy, always smiling and goofy and, you know, he's kind of a jokester sometimes and, you know, he played the keyboard and he, you know, was goofy at it. You know, he used to always make these little goofy mannerisms, I thought, as a kid. And I used to always say, oh, he's funny, you know. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, and, and then uh, some of my later experiences when I was starting to kind of incorporate into the band the first time, he came back for a little while. But by then he was, you know, a little more older and, you know, he didn't necessarily, uh, you know, he, 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 he was a little older, so he couldn't necessarily, you know, we had three buses then. I didn't ride on his bus, you know, so I didn't necessarily see much of him. And then I got a chance to see him one time at his, uh, at, at the, the, when we did the Colbert thing, I got a chance to see him then. And that was the last time and, you know, got a chance to hug him and, you know, exchange I love you's and that was about it, you know. So that's the extent of my experiences really with Bernie. Oh, and I did forget this, uh, Bernie, he did, Never mind. Never mind. I, I won't go there. I'll leave it. Okay. I'll go, we'll um, talk about that. Um, what about um, Bootsy? Have you met, spend any time with him? No expense, extensive time. You know, I just kind of can recall him in the studio as a kid here and there. And um, when he come back to tour about the same time Bernie had come back for a little while, you know, but by then, you know, everybody was kind of like he had, he, he was kind of touring his own, you know, doing his own separate tour. You know, they just all doing the same tour, but, you know, he had his own bus and his own band and that's kind of what it was, you know. So I, I've never really spent extensive time with Bootsy either besides, you know, bumping in each other and it's like, oh, hey, sound check. How you doing? How's your mama? All right. Good to see you. You know, future project uh maybe <laughs> what about uh boogie oh now boog that's that's unk right there now you know him and my dad they go back to kids in plainfield you know they knew each other before you know they knew they knew each other before they knew puberty and all of that you know they went through all of that together you know what i mean so uh boogie has always been in my life you know what i mean and the uh, boogie, you know, another interesting cat, man. Jokester, you know, funny guy, you know, really deep guy. You know, what I mean, uh, I used to love when he. I loved when he his era of bass playing in the Parliament Funkadelics. Um, I loved his era of it. You know, he he had a certain nuance about his playing, where it was more so. Uh, you know, he was really muted a lot. You know what I mean? And he made that a thing, you know what I'm saying? Trying to be kind of just quiet and in the mix. Whereas, you know, most bass players are kind of the root, you know, along with the drum, you know, he's just kind of content to just kind of melodically just kind of, you know, dance with everything and not necessarily stand out, which is kind of cool, you know what I mean? And kind of an off time kind of thing that he used to preach to us, I remember. <clears throat> I remember he used to come out and stay with us every now and then, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm still really cool with all of his kids, you know, Chauncey and Tanya and, you know, his wife, Donna, you know, Lisa. Uh, I'm probably missing some. Mona, Remy, David. Yeah, I'm, you know, still cool with all of them. So Another great one that we lost uh, too soon and recently. Yeah. Um, what about um, <clears throat> Mudbone? Uh, Mudbone, uh, well, uh, so Mudbone and my dad, is, um, you know, they kind of share kind of a special bond, the two of them. 
uh, I guess kind of being like the, you know, the, the main voices in their camps kind of thing, you know, doing that, I guess, I guess that's the kind the, the bond that brings them together or is that that's a piece of their bond. Uh, but they always had a pretty deep bond. Uh, they always seemed to really dig working together. You know what I'm saying? I can really recall my dad and my mother when they would be working with, with mud bones somewhere, they would always be pretty excited about it. And, um, He's recently just come back and, uh, you know, Mudbone, he's a serious cat, man. You know what I mean? He's serious about his work. You know, he doesn't jive around, you know, no BS, no nonsense. You know what I mean? Make sure that it's good, that it's perfect. You know what I mean? And pro. He, yeah, a pro. Yeah, professional, man. A true professional. You know, and another eccentric personality, man, as are most of these cats. You know, very eccentric, you know, is, you know, worldly has been there, has done that, you know, you know, a, a good cat to have around, you know what I mean? He's a good cat to have around. Definitely one of the most unique voices I've heard. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> what about uh, Peanut? Oh, Peanut, man. <laughs> Peanut, man, he was, Peanut was a pretty, uh, he was a pretty mercurial cat, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and and did his thing the way he wanted to do it. You know, he didn't give a damn about nobody's opinion of it. You know, he, he was going to do it his way, you know. And uh, it was pretty admirable of him, you know. Uh, uh, another very important cog in the Bootsy and the P-Funk dynasty as far as the background vocals go. You know, has contributed a lot to this. Um, yeah, well, you know, for the most part, that's what I could remember about Peanut Man. He's just pretty mercurial cat. He was quiet, you know, stayed to himself. You know, uh, he used to, uh, he liked to play basketball. <laughs> pretty interesting fun fact about Peanut. He would, you know, we there was a court anywhere around. He was gonna go. He was gonna be running some basketball. Was he any good? Yeah, he was pretty good. He was probably one of the best out of the band. Not that any of us are great, you know, but if it, so with that being said, he's probably one of the best, you know. You know, he, he definitely, I'll tell you what, he definitely didn't lack for effort. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He gave it his, his, he gave it his a full, you know, he gave it the full go, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. 